This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There we go. Welcome back to Talking Devils with Phil Marsh and Lee Lawrence, brought to you by TalkTheDevils.co.uk. I'm your host, Keen. We're here to talk all things Manchester United. We're here to preview Manchester United versus Tottenham. We'll also review um, the Liverpool game as well. So as always, guys, hit that like button, smash that subscribe button, hit the bell notification below, Phil there on the right of Phil. And you know, do get your comments in below with regard to tonight's show. First of all, I'm going to come around, go around the table to the lads first. Obviously, haven't seen both of you guys in a week. Firstly, Lee, how you been keeping? How's the form? Yeah, good. Thanks, Keen. Um, I've obviously just moved out, so I'm, I've been preoccupied and, and been able to sort of take my mind off uh, Man United. So um, I put a sort of a welcome uh, distraction for me in that respect. Um, but yeah, all good. Thanks. Um, hope you're all right as well, Matt. Yeah, look, I, I'm good, I suppose. Like, look, I think as always after a defeat, until especially against Liverpool, you, you feel down the dumps for a couple of days. But no, all's well, all's, all's good. Work went well this week, so just happy to be kind of back on today now and United back on the, back on the screen tomorrow and look, hopefully we can get three points. Um, and congratulations, by the way, on, on the move as well. Do you know, I, I'd say you're absolutely delighted with that at the moment. Yeah, just obviously still not fully moved out yet, so it's just uh, going to be a, a sort of... Uh, slow process until we can sort of get everything moved but yeah just glad to, to get that over the line and just in time for Christmas hopefully for the girls so yeah that'd be lovely and look again I, I know I've moved house a couple of weeks ago myself and I know I know the stress of it is oh it's massive yeah, I, won't be, I won't be moving again anytime soon I'll tell you that <laughs> 100% 100% and Lee um, haven't spoke to you in, in a week either um, how's, how's the form how have you been keeping I'm good, mate. I'm good, thank you. I've uh, had a bit of a soak this week, obviously. Like we've just been on about, we've not watched United for a week now, so we've kind of reset, kind of uh, dreading a little bit of tomorrow in case it's a bit of the same old form. But uh, no, I've had a quite a good week, mate, this week. Regarding moving house, mate, I've done it three times in the last five years. The next time I, uh, I move house, it'll be the next time when me and the wife get a divorce, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that the turn <laughs> take the way it did. Oh my god! But um, we're here to talk um all things Manchester United here today. And obviously, like, look, if you're a Man United fan this week, this week has been tough for many of us. Like, I think when you when you look at 
a game of football, Manchester United versus Liverpool, like what we said in the podcast last week, it's the biggest game in club football um, in terms of rivalry, in terms of stature, in terms of the success of, of the two teams. And obviously game didn't go away, 5-0 defeat. And I think for many Manchester United fans, it's stung. Really did. Um, do obviously just the, the manner of the defeat, you know, the I suppose the fact that we didn't really put up a fight for, for 90 minutes and it, it was something that, you know, I would say it was a shock to the system, but when you look at performances in the last couple of weeks, the performances haven't been there, but we haven't played a good side. We played a good side until we, we got put to the sword at home. Um, Phil, I'll come to you first, just on the performance itself. Um, what are your thoughts just on the overall game, do you know, in terms of how the defeat kind of panned out and kind of what you took from the game? Yeah, obviously, you know, really, really disappointing performance. Um, not really any positives I, I actually could could take from that. I think it was just, you know, as bad a day as it's been uh, in a long, long time. Probably one of the biggest and most sort of humiliating defeats in, in sort of, you know, recent times. I can't think of any any other game that's that's been so poor. Um in probably as you just mentioned there, the, the biggest game of uh you know the season for, for both teams in 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 the respect of the rivalry and, and obviously what's at stake and the bragging rights. I think the biggest thing that was the, the, the sort of standout for me is obviously, you know, form and and sort of the performances leading up to that for that particular fixture for me, um, usually goes out the window. I think, you know, that particular game, if you can't get up for that and you can't be, you know, wanting to, to sort of perform and, and sort of, you know, express yourself in, in such a big game, then, you know, you may as well, you know, pack in because that that's the game you want to be playing in. That's the game you want to do well in. And, and I think all of our players, you know, didn't really turn up. They didn't do themselves justice in, in any way, shape or form. I think Liverpool, fair play to them, you know, they they was professional. They was very good on the day. Uh, they, they sort of dominated the game from the first minute to the last minute and, and probably, you know, truth be told, he could have probably scored a couple more goals and, and it was sort of, you know, 5-0 a canter for me and, and that shouldn't be happening. Uh, regardless of, of how Manchester United have been playing in the last couple of weeks, um, you know, performance, levels have not been great all season uh, but for me you know turning up against Liverpool at home that kind of result can't happen no matter what team you you, you put out you've got to fight for every single ball you've got to you know the desire the will to win uh, and I didn't see any any of that really from from any of the players it, it was a it was a shocking and sobering uh, moment for me I think obviously this week uh, obviously, the manager's been under a lot of pressure, uh, rightly so. Obviously, getting beat by your, your biggest rivals, 5-0. Um, and I think it's just a difficult period now for the, for the team, for, for the manager and obviously the fans. It's it's going to be sort of, uh, you know, it's going to be difficult no matter what happens. I think some fans, obviously, if we beat Tottenham, I'll, I'll still obviously think it, it's, you know, just papering over the cracks. And, you know, if we get, get beat again, it's, you, you know, it's it's just hard at the minute. I can't really see um, a sort of easy fix in in the short term. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how things pan out. Yeah, look, I think when when you look at the game itself, it, it's sobering the word you use there. I think that's appropriate for 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 the game, especially when when you consider you know the I suppose 
the manner how we've conceded the goals, how it was so easy for Liverpool to kind of play through um, our midfield to our defence. didn't look like it had any structure throughout the 90 minutes. It kind of looked like, you know, as it has been the last few weeks, a group of individuals kind of play, playing on the pitch and that's the way it was. And there was no cohesion. There was no, I suppose, cohesion in defence or attack. And look, we've we seen a team that, you know, in Liverpool who who pressed us and it, they, they didn't let us you know, have, have, a, have, a, have a breath for 90 minutes. They're a very high intensity team under Jurgen Klopp. And like looking the way kind of Mo Salah played, getting a hat-trick, like he terrorised Sean Maguire on that kind of right, right-hand right channel. Um, he really did. He was on fire. And, you know, like, I think even when you look at the likes of Jordan Henderson and Naby Keita, they got a bit too much space in the midfield. And, look, we, we got punished, and there's no two ways around it. There's no sugarcoating it that we did get punished. But it's just the way that the manner of defeat kind of hurt more than anything because... Even like if you look at games in the past where we've lost big games, especially in the last kind of five or so years, like there's always been a bit of fight. There's always been, you know, a bit of determination. But like it looked like, from my point of view, looking looking at the way the players played, like they they gave up. Like as soon as Liverpool scored, it's like they they gave up. To me, that's how it looked like from my point of view watching. It felt like they gave up, and for me, that's not what Man United team does, especially in this game. And it's like they, they gave up and they kind of lost their heads almost, you know. And for me, it was just disheartening losing to Liverpool in, in that way and the fact they're their biggest rivals. And for me, it probably effectively rules us out probably the title race now at this stage because the, the amount of games we have now, like, you know, winning that game would have kept us there, thereabouts, you know. And for me, it, it, I find it hard to see us picking up enough points to catch up with the top three at the moment, you know. But... All in all, do you know my confidence levels aren't high because of that game and, and recent performances. But do you know for, for me, it's just very disheartening to lose in that manner. And look, I suppose we're looking at a game in Spurs now this weekend where both teams are trying to find their form. Both teams aren't playing their best football. Hopefully, it's a case where we can pick the form back up. But time will tell, and we will touch on Spurs kind of later on in the show. Um, but Lee, Lee, I'm going to come to you, obviously, with regards to this game. Um, you looked at the way, I suppose, we get a chance to start the game. Bruno Fernandes gets a chance in the first, like, two, three minutes of the game, puts it over the bar, and then all of a sudden, within a minute, we concede. Do you, when you look at that type of goal we're conceding this season in terms of true midfield, and on especially in, on our left side with Sean Maguire, are you concerned with kind of, I suppose, the pattern of the fact that we're, we're conceding the same type of goal every week? And I think it's something that we need to rectify quickly. Massively, mate. Massively. The uh, the defence this season has, has been an abomination, hasn't it? You know what I mean? It's uh, There's no other words to describe that performance against Liverpool, but awful. You know, it was uh, it was depressing. I've, I've, I've been sore about it all week. The, the There's no fire in the bellies. They don't look like they want to even try. I don't know what happened. It's you know, for me it was inevitable. We've uh, we've done for me we've done amazingly well to get the results what we've got because there's not many many games this season we've played where you can hand on as United fans say we've you know we've been the best team we deserve that win. Not many at all, mate. And um, you know, 
I don't know what's going on on that training field, but the way you know the midfield runners, the centre forwards can just glide past the defenders. You know they don't look like they're a solid back four whatsoever. Disjointed, disheartening. You know it's uh, it's not the Man United way. It's just disheartening. You were, you think you'd be training, you know, five days a week on in the training ground with the calibre of trainers we've got. You think they'd be able to get the back four to some sort of shape, you know, where they're playing for each other. Doesn't look that way. Just just get skinned every time someone gets the ball. You, you're never confident that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna actually defend any set piece or any one on ones. You fear every time another team goes forward that you're gonna concede a goal. Just, just poor, just, just poor, mate. And I just, it needs rectifying. It needs rectifying really, really quick because when you're one of the top four, as they're playing at the minute, mate, they'd be lucky finishing the top half of the season for me. Top half of the league, sorry, if they carry on the way they're going. Um, so it needs sorting. It needs sorting quick. And do you know in terms of the way we're conceding the same type of goal, and you, and you touched on a kind of our vulnerability in, in defence this season. Especially with Sean Maguire on that side, do you think that defeat do you know, in Wembley in the European final, do you think that's kind of affected them mentally? Because for me, Sean Maguire were England's two best players in the European Championships in terms of consistency. And it almost feels like since they've come back that that defeat to against Italy in, in the in the final, it, it kind of feels like to me that's at the dent in their confidence. Do you think mentally, from their point of view, that game's kind of maybe denting their current form and their confidence coming into this season? It could, it could possibly have done, yeah. It could, you know, it's, 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 it is a, a valid explanation, but for me, you know, the the, the, the apparently world-class defenders, you know, it's, um, yeah, you can you can be upset and you can have uh, a bit of a lack of concentration every once in a while, but for me, it's two really, you know, the, two of the highest-profile defenders in England you know they need to step up. The the since Maguire's come back from injury, he's, he's looked to, uh, you know a shadow of his former self, especially playing for it when he was playing for England. Like you say, the uh, he's made umpteen mistakes. He looks slow. He looks sluggish. It looks like he's going to get beat every one on one he's against. Um, Luke Shaw looks like he's you know he's, he's he's playing with a lot less confidence than he was. He doesn't look like he's tacking as much. His defence doesn't look as solid. I just think that you know they need they just need to step up the the they're apparently world class footballers and yeah you know I've, what what everybody makes a mistake I understand that you're a footballer you're going to make mistakes but you know grab your nuts as they say and and, and crack on you know just prove to us why you know you worth this kind of money why are you playing for Man United and at the minute they're just not doing the, the you know the the games they play they're not showing to me that. The, it, you know, England's left back, first choice left back for me at the minute is he's struggling. And Maguire, I don't know if I play him on the, I don't even know if I put him in tomorrow's squad or not with the way he's been playing. So maybe he's still not match fit. I don't know, but they need to improve. Yeah, uh, I think for me, like I'm, I'm very concerned about their form because I, I at the start of the season I was like thinking because they've had a lack of pre-season that you know they. They would come back. They'd take them a couple of games to get up to speed, and you know they would, you know, pick themselves back up. But it's very concerned that their form hasn't picked back up at all this season. And we're now going into November. You know, I think that's 
very concerned. I think now Oli has a very big decision to make in these next kind of couple of games. Does he persevere with them because they're experienced? Because, as you said, on form, they're, they're the couple of best defenders in England. But it is concerning with with their with their run of form at the moment. Can they play themselves, play their way out of it? And when it looks things right now, no, that would be the answer. But hopefully they can. But I think Solskjaer, as you said, like I think has a massive decision to make tomorrow with regards to the two of them and kind of does he play either one of the two. Um, Phil, I'm going to come to you on this another, on another player just with regards to this game. Um, you know, he, he came off the bench and, you know, he, he had, a, I suppose, a cameo appearance um, on Sunday with, was Paul Pogba. Um, obviously, we're missing him now for three games and it, it is going to be a tough going with, without Paul and the team. Like, he's, I know he divides opinion, but one thing is he's a very creative footballer and we're coming up against teams like Joe Tottenham, Atalanta and Man City in these next seven days. Um, what would be your solution now, kind of looking at it now, with him, him out for these next couple of games? Is this a time now where we actually assess it and say, Joe McTominay and Fred, this partnership hasn't worked in these this last couple of weeks. Does Donny van der Beek or Nemanja Matic now come, in, come into the firing line now and, and get, get a chance to maybe show that they can be an alternative in midfield, Joe, obviously because the fact we're minus Paul Pogba at the moment. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it's going to be interesting to, to obviously see what happens in, in respect of who takes his place. But I I want to see a little bit more of Jesse Lingard personally as well. Um, I think he's somebody who, you know, for England, when he's played recently, I've watched him and, and he looks, you know, really sharp. He's got energy. And I think that's what we're lacking a little bit uh, at the moment in terms of, obviously, yeah, Fred and McTominay, you know, they, they run around and they're quite industrious. But I want somebody who can, you know, break the lines and I want somebody who can get beyond the strikers, who can create and break the lines. And I think for me, Lingard needs needs a couple of games now and give him a sort of run in the team, whether that's, you know, change the formation or, you know, whatever that may be. But for me, I think um, he's somebody who, you know, I, I feel and I, I believe can can sort of um, change change the sort of dynamic of the team and, and maybe make us a little bit more um, threatening going forward on a more consistent basis. As we say, though, Donny van der Beek may get his opportunity now. Um, obviously, with Paul being out for so long, uh, for three games, he, he might get a, a little run in the team and, and that could be his opportunity to maybe sort of, you know, stamp his uh, authority on that position and, you know, he's in a probably, you know, win-win situation in the fact that he's not played for so long. Um, so it, so he's probably going to be, you know, somebody who, you know, he's probably not going to be playing with that much pressure because obviously when you've not played for so long, uh, you, you sort of not going to be able to come straight into the team and be performing at your, your best levels. But on the flip side of that, he'll obviously want to come in if he does get the chance and, and try and, you know, make an impact and, and sort of, do something positive so he, he, he can maybe get a little run in the team. Obviously, if not, I think he'll obviously be looking elsewhere because obviously his he's, games have been limited and he's probably getting you know frustrated now with obviously the way things have been going and he's still not getting a chance. Uh, for me, I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in his position. Um, you know, if, if you can't get a game at the moment at Manchester United, then you know, you, 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 there's something quite not quite right because none of them players. Uh, sort of, you know, a, a definite selection for me. None of them have done the self-justice and none of them deserve to be a, a sort of, um, 
you know, nailed on starter. So, yeah, opportunities for some some players at the moment, I think. Yeah, and I think, like, when you look at regards to Van der Beek, I think this is a time frame definitely to, to make a stamp on it. Like, I think with Pogba being out, we lack that kind of, I suppose, that link from midfield to attack. And I think Van der Beek can offer that alternative, especially in these couple of games. I think, especially Atlanta away, I think with Atlanta's pressing game, you need someone who's going to be press resistant in midfield, who can carry the ball, who can you know help break the lines with, with their passing. And Donny, Donny can give us that, or Nemanja can give us that in midfield. Obviously, Lingard as well. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Phil. I, I said this on my own podcast last night that I think that especially the Spurs game tomorrow will be tailor-made for Jesse tomorrow, Like especially the way Spurs play. You look at the way he played for West Ham against Spurs last season, he absolutely tore him apart. Mm. Like I think Lingard's movement, his intelligence around the box, his link-up with, you know, with, with Cristiano or Marcus or whoever it may be in and around that area will be needed because I think we've come a bit become a bit too predictable in our attacks um, as of late. And I think you need a kind of dynamic player like Lingard who can be that X factor though in in the in in, in around that those six yard box. Um so definitely I think for me Jesse does deserve to get a chance this weekend, whether it's from the start or off the bench. I think he deserves a meaningful amount of minutes this weekend or even next weekend that you know against Man City. I think maybe that game maybe the time where Ollie made may choose him because it's a game where we're gonna need a player. You know who can be intelligent, especially on the counter attacks. I would expect next weekend we probably won't have you know much of the ball in midfield, considering man, the way Manchester City play. You know, I think that may be a game where Ali may pick Jesse, um, compared to maybe say tomorrow. He'd suit the ball games, but considering the way Ali sets up in big games, I know last week was probably the first time we we played with a press in a big game since his tenure, and look, it didn't work out so. I do see us probably being more a bit more pragmatic next week against Man City um, at home, just because of the way they play in possession. I don't see us pressing that because I think we get, as we've seen against Liverpool, we'd most likely get pulled apart. But it'd be interesting now to see kind of what he does, because obviously it's a five nil loss. And if you look back when any time under Sir Alex when we had a big loss, he'd make wholesale changes. Does Ali now follow suit and and do that? For me, I think that's what he should do, but you know, it just remains to be seen kind of what decisions he's going to make tomorrow because there is a couple. I think when you look at the defensive situation, you now look at midfield with Pogba being suspended. You know, does Edison Cavani get a game now? Because like you look at the, the way he played away at Spurs last season, he tore their defence apart and his movement was key to unlocking Spurs' defence last season. So a lot of decisions to make, but it's going to be interesting to see now in these next couple of weeks what he actually does. Kind of touching on the opposition, um, Lee. Um, obviously, Harry Kane is a player um, who has been outformed this season um, by, his, by his standards. He's been someone who's always been like a benchmark in the last kind of you know, four or five years in the Premier League for a goal scorer, a goal scorer in the league. And he's, he's by far probably up there with, with the best number nines in the world football at the moment. Do you look at Harry Kane now um, at Tottenham at the moment, did you think he's has that one eye in Manchester City, and that's why his form hasn't been as good this season? Yeah, um, it's not it, the the massive ice is that is it the last couple of seasons? Granted, but it's still I would say the the best the best striker in the Premier League. Um, I'm worried sick about tomorrow. If I'm being honest, you've got you've got Avi Kane, you've got Son, you know, 
they've got the potential to tear their defence apart at the moment in time. Um, and yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I just hope to God that on that training field this uh, this week they've been working on the defence um, because, like I say, it's it could be another disaster tomorrow if they don't pull the sock, socks up and um, you know get going with it. You know, it's um, it's. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm struggling. I'm struggling this this week with United. Like I said to you before, we uh, we went on the podcast. I'm struggling to think of where they go, what formation, who did they play, who did they swap out, who did they change. I've just been listening to you about Donny Van der Beek and Lingard. Uh, if I was Donny Van der Beek and Lingard, I would be pulling my uh, you know, I'd be wanting to, uh, I'd be wanting to leave. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I say, the performances this year to say that they've both not really been given. You know, any minutes really, or especially Lingard, because he deserves the minutes. I mean, Donny's, we've not seen enough of him to say whether he deserves the minutes or not. But um, if I was Jesse, like I say, he's, he's probably one of, if not the main, the main threat going forward from our, from our midfield. And um, <laughs> he needs, for me, he needs to start. I mean, it's hard because who do you drop? If you put, obviously, They've got a chance now with Pogba, like say, going out. So one of them can be shoehorned in. Um, but who who do you drop to put him in? I think it's going to come down to on that the training pitch this week. You know, the lads do train hard, the lads do impress. If it was me, if I was managing the team, my starting eleven would uh, depend very much on who's trained well this week. And if I had to make a big decision on who I was putting in and who I was swapping out, it would be uh, the attitude towards training and. To me, even if it's Fernandez, I mean Fernandez is 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 fantastic at creating opportunities, but he's been off for me. He's been off form again. He's the, the ten things he does try, one or two come off, and it's spectacular and it creates a goal. But for me, these last couple of games, what I've watched, the the amount of balls he you know his giveaway has been unreal. Now with Jesse, does he does he give that amount of balls away? Is it worthwhile giving them, swapping them to it, and having a look at it that way? You know. Um, it's interesting, but like I said, for me, it's, it's whoever's performed well in training this week, for me, would we'll, we'll get a start. And whoever's looked like it's been lacklustre like it was against Liverpool, they'd be dropped to the bench. And that, that's my opinion on that, Paul. Yeah, like I think I think Bruno is a, is, a, is a sticky one because like I went to the Atlanta game last week before the Liverpool game and like for the life of me, in the first half, he frustrated me with some of the times he give, gives away the ball. Like the other like couple of occasions, gives away the ball because sometimes the easier pass will be on. But then I watched the second half. I watched the passes he played in that second half. And his, as you said, his creativity when he's on song is spectacular. And his, his goal scoring ability as well, um, you know, is, is unbelievable. But I think you're right. Like if you're looking at form at the moment, I think that Jesse Lingard has definitely has, has an argument to start in a number 10 role at the moment because you look at his performances off the bench this season have been have been magnificent he's he's scored goals he's helped create chances he's he's dynamic you know, he, he carries the ball from midfield whereas when bruno picks up the ball he'd look for the pass straight away the killer ball straight away whereas lingard would help link up the play probably that bit more so he'd I, I know i mentioned the phrase before but press resistant like he 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 deals the ball very well on the press and He's very good on the half turns, you know, in terms of popping inside and making that bit of movement to, to receive it back. Like he's very good in that that regard. So, I think if you're looking at these next couple of games, 
he does deserve a chance. But for me, if you look at these next few games, if you're just talking strictly Premier League, if you're looking at City and Spurs, I think does Oli go this tried and trusted with Bruno in there? Like, I think he probably does. But even, like, Lee, we talked off air, like, in, in terms of formations, if he went with it with a diamond, he, he could very well put Jesse and Bruno in the same formation. Like, we, we could play the two of them. Like, if we did go, if we did happen to go with the diamond and we did change shape, that is a possibility as well. Like, you could play the two of them in the same team. Bruno's the box to box and Jesse's the 10. Like, you, you could... You could do that. There is options there. We do have a big squad. Like I was listening to Ollie's press conference today, and like he talked about, he he had thirty players training this week, to bar the exception, obviously of the, the injury, only one injury. But like, do you know that that's that's great that you have, you have a full to a team to choose from. But when you're going through a bad run of form like this, if you have that many players to choose from, changes are going to need to be made. We need we need some fresh blood in the team. I think now when you look at the, these next couple of games, and because if you're playing the same players who were out of form, you're going to get the same type of performance and result. I think a couple of changes still need to be made in certain areas. I, I do think there's still areas in the team we've done well. I think Lindelof and he's actually come in these last couple of games, and Varane's injury has actually been okay. I think he, his distribution from the back has been quite good. I think Harry Maguire is probably the one that's probably left him down in that regard. And the last time we seen Alex Tellez play, he scored a brilliant goal against Villarreal, and he, he was putting in a lot of crosses for Ronaldo in that game. And that's something that we need. Like that's something we need in terms of our, our fullbacks. We need our fullbacks to be delivering more more service into the box for Cristiano, you know, for Mason Greenwood. Like we need our players to be doing that. So it, it, we we need to see kind of what what, what he does. But why we're actually here. Does that not bring the argument then, like we said off earth, about you know playing potentially going with the three-five-two, uh, maybe dropping Luke Shaw at the back in with Varane and one of the other centre backs, and maybe pushing Telles, you know, a little bit further up for the service for Ronaldo. Um, that's one, you know, one formation I've drawn it on paper, and I don't think it might be a bad option. You know, I've watched uh, a few highlights of Telles uh, before we bought him, and you know his assists and his goals, what he was scoring, was absolutely fantastic. Granted, in a lesser league than he's in now, but, you know, he's got that quality to get that ball in that box, which Ronaldo will feed off all day. I'm just wondering whether, you know, if he's going to change formation, do we try a 3-5-2 and push, you know, push Wambaseka wide on the right and push Teles up on the left and um, drop Luke Shaw in as a third centre-back? You know, could, could that be an option? When we played that formation, Luke Shaw has done very well as left side of centre back, and we played that away at PSG last year. We we, we won at PSG last season. The other memory sticks in my mind of us playing three at the back though is when we played against Chelsea in the FA Cup. Um, do you know? I, I I think we do with the players to do it now. Whether he does implement it now this week, I I I, I, I don't know. It, it is a good option because you have Tellers who can play at wing back. You'll show a left centre back, and you can probably play Lindelof and Varane in the in the in the, in the back three, and then you could argue maybe Dallo might be even more suited to the wing back role than Wan Bissaka. Wan Bissaka going forward, isn't it? Is uh, that's where he struggles a little bit with his his final ball and his quality, of the, you know, in the in the top end. So, like, I say, would it would it be worthwhile sticking Dallo there? But the last the last game I watched Dallo, it was disgusting. I didn't enjoy. Oh it yes, was, you know, that was the four though. You see, that was in four. If he had maybe. Varane or Lindelof covering him on that right channel, he might be okay. If yeah. we do play the three, he'd have the extra bit of protection. 
and maybe put managers and one of the sitters in the field, then all of a sudden you have a good structure there, though, too. I suppose provide that license for the wing backs then too. Yeah, I was sitting midfielder in there, so obviously if they've gone forward, they've got a, a defensive midfield player to you know just to sit back and obviously what we've we've mentioned four or five times on the podcast, a good defensive midfield player, which we're going to mention it I think until we get one because at the minute we don't really have have what we need, do we? We don't, and if you look at the opposition, Heiberg would be perfect. perfect. Like if you look at the opposition, let's say tomorrow, Heiberg will be perfect in this team he'd slot straight in do you know like if you're, if you're looking at defensive fielder he's someone who would be yeah. aggressive and provide protection I think he, yeah. he would be I, I was keen on Declan Rice when everyone was on about buying Declan Rice but the last couple of games I've watched him play he's played that role and he's played really really well though you know what I mean I think he, he could be suited to as a you know a, a long-term potential investment yeah definitely I, I I've said it as well all summer that even though like Declan Rice broke my heart a couple of, a couple of years ago when he uh, changed his allegiance from Ireland to England. Um, but look, he's a quality quality footballer. And um, look, I wouldn't mind him seeing him play for us. He'd be a great six. He'd be a brilliant in that position. And he'd be, he'd be like a Carrick almost in terms of taking yeah. that ball from the centre-backs, spraying it wide, spraying it wide, linking up that play, playing that kind of line break and pass. Rice is very, very good at that. Um but I was going to come to Reese's comment here, and I'm going to come to Phil with this as well, with, in terms of the 3-5-2. Um, Reese says he has nothing to lose. I'd go for a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2. Tell, tell us and tell us, let's get them to do the attacking duties, and the three centre-backs would work. Phil, I'm going to come to you on the, on the back of that, and obviously on the back of what Lee said as well. Um, in terms of like playing the, the, the three at the back, would you be comfortable yourself Um playing that kind of back three this weekend and they'll maybe try something different to kind of, I suppose, get away from the status quo. Yeah, I mean, as, as Reese has pointed out there, I think he hasn't got anything to lose in, in the fact that he's just, you know, been beat 5-0 at home. Um, so, yeah, I think he does have to do maybe something different to, to make it seem as though, you know, he's, he's addressing the problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, it's, it could be, you know, you change the formation and then, you know, does that give the players a bit of an excuse if the result doesn't go our way? And, and you know, there's all different, you know, permutations from from changing the formation and, and, you know, off the back of the feet. But for me personally, yeah, I think that would just make us a little, little bit more solid at the back um, against, you know, two, two of the probably best strikers in the Prem in terms of Kane and Son, you know, that they complement each other quite well in terms of, the, the pace of Son and dribbling attributes and then obviously Kane's a you know potent finisher he's a obviously you know if not the best striker in the division so obviously we're going to have to be uh, you know aware of him and his movements but yeah I mean it's something that I think you know we, we do need to address that problem at the back as least touched on I think the, the defending over recent weeks has been nothing short of uh, shambolic and for me you know we, we definitely need to um, stop conceding so many poor goals I mean some of the, the goals we have conceded have been you know absolutely schoolboy stuff um, and, and it shouldn't be happening you know at this level of football that the players we've got you know the, the, the more experienced and the, the better than you know what they have shown in the last last months um, so yeah whether this you know is just a short term fix or whether you know we, we try it and it, it works well and we can maybe persist with it uh, we'll just have to see but 
as, as you say, it's just one of them. I think, you know, only time will tell. Yeah, like, look, I think it's something that it definitely needs to be looked at and something that we, I think, you've not, we've nothing to do, so why not change system? Do you know, I think that's something that, if they, I know Ali said to say a lot has been worked on the worked on the training pitch this week, then hope that's a change of shape. The current shape isn't working at the moment, and so I think we do need to try something different and do you know, try get some of our, I suppose, more attacking players in, in, into into their right positions and and you know provide more service to our forwards because I think that's something that they've been starved of during these kind of last couple of weeks in terms of you know, creating chances. Even star of the service, especially with Cristiano, he, he hasn't been given enough chances up top to get 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 goals. So hopefully that's something that can be rectified um these next couple of weeks. But once we're on the topic of Spurs, I'm going to get um Lee and Phil's predicted 11s as well, and we're going to we're going to do our score predictions. Usually that's at the end of the show, but we're going to do our score predictions right after because we're going to get Lee and Phil's all-time um, Manchester United Academy 11s as well. So this should be great. Um, Lee, coming to you first, your um, starting 11 prediction, um, or even just what you want to see um, for tomorrow's game. Um, what do you fancy tomorrow, and what what personnel would you like to see? Okay, like I mentioned, mate, I'd like, I would like, personally like to see, I'd like to see a 3-5-2 um, tomorrow. I don't think it's going to happen by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's going to stick with you know, the two defensive midfield players. I think he's going to stick with that formation. But I've just wrote it down, mate. If you just give me two seconds. I would probably like to see the game in Nets. It's a, you know, it's a given. Like we said, Leeds Shaw, Varane. And I don't know whether I would stick with Maguire. Or I don't know whether I would give Bayer a go, um, to be honest. But I'm going to go because I know he probably will be able to play himself in form. I'll stick with Maguire. I'd go Tellez. Wide left. I'd go Wan Bissaka wide right, give him a chance. Obviously, I'd play Fernandez in the middle, but more of an attacking option in the three. Um, and then I would like personally rather Donny van der Beek or Lingard, one or the other, to play um, with rather McTominay or Matic. And up front, I'd put CR7, Cristiano, and Rashford. That would be what I would be looking at, mate. Not a bad show. And here, I think Rashford up top with Ronaldo would give it something different in terms of Ronaldo could be that kind of more target man. And Joe Ronaldo, obviously, Rashford could provide that kind of pace in behind Joe too and gives that injection in behind his Spurs centre backs because Dyer and Romero can be Joe got at um, for, their, for their movement. But yeah, that, definitely that's, why something. Put, that's why I put Rashford in with his pace. I think, uh, like I say, Dyer obviously been. Basically, put back and put in for a bit of a makeshift sense of defense. I think if he's, he's on form and he can get at him, it's the it's the you know traditional older guy, strong guy. You never you know you can hold the ball up and then uh, Rashford can obviously play off him. I think if we could get Teles or Juan Bissaka whipping the ball in much earlier than they have been doing, Ronaldo, we know, is deadly in the box. I think it, I think it could work, mate. I really do think it could work. Yeah, I think a three-five-two could be something that we, we can go for and um, this weekend. Like I think that why not? Um Phil, give me your start eleven formation um for tomorrow's game. To be honest, I I, I pretty much agree with Lee in terms of I, I would like to see that that sort of um you know three five two in, in just the respect of obviously, you know, we need to change something. We've we've been leaking far too many poor goals. 
Um, and I think, you know, with them two uh, wider players to, to provide that service for, for Cristiano, uh, I think that, that could be, you know, potentially, you know, something that, that we sort of uh, could maybe look at. For me, I would I would stick with probably the same personnel as Lee. Um, I would like to see Matic, though, in that holding role. Um, I just think he would, would give us a little bit more control um, and a little bit more sort of ball retention. Uh, and for me, as I said before, I'd love to see Jesse Lingard playing as well um, in, in that um, midfield for, for the creativity as well. I think he would link up well with Marcus um, and obviously give us that extra sort of you know, added bit of quality going forward. So for me, I would uh, stick with the same team as Lee, but I'd have Matic in the six and I'd be playing uh, Lingard with Bruno. And then Marcus Rashford and Cristiano up top. Yeah, I actually have the same formation as well, lads, in terms of um, uh, tomorrow's game. Obviously, I have the, I have the hay and goal. Um, I have Boy now at the three, though. I'm going with Lindelof, Ferran and Luke Shaw in the three. I've gone with Wambasaka and um, Tellers as wing backs. Um, Matic as a sitter for me with Donny Van der Beek is more of the eight, and I'm gone with Lingard in the ten. I think that I think Bruno. I think I drop him this week for me. I think look, he's my favourite player, but I think Donny Van der Beek would be a player I think would be more suitable to this game. I think his link though between obviously midfield and attack and being that kind of player who can kind of play them passes. I think. Donny would be useful in that role. And obviously, Jesse then, I think his his energy in that middle of the park will be useful as well. Like, I think that's one thing we do lack. And, like, he can help press as well. Like, because I know when you have Cristiano up there, I, I, this is not me going at Cristiano, but he's never he's never been a presser. And even when he was here in 2008, when we won the double, he was never a presser then. So you need players in there who are going to do that pressing and make up for his lack of pressing because he's going to be that goal-scoring presence up there. So I think Jesse Lingard will be that player to kind of help us with that. Um, my front two, um, I've gone with Cavani and I've gone with Ronaldo up top. Like Cavani's pressing, I think we've all seen it this season when he's come in. He doesn't stop running. He really doesn't. And his movement against Spurs last season, do you know, was, was fantastic. And he, he pulled Dodier and Sanchez out of position last year quite a lot and look I would be people say can you complete 90 minutes I don't know up top up there but like then you have like, like the Rashford who can come off the bench do you know, maybe you can bring on Sancho later on in the game do you know, to help stretch him as well like we do have many options up there Martial is back as well but for me I would go um, I would go Cavani and Ronaldo I think their presence up there would strike fear into Spurs and I think if you're looking at the pressing from the front, Cavani and, and Lingard can lead that press, you know, and put pressure on Spurs centre backs. But like, look, Rashford can do that same job as Edison up there in terms of pressing from the front and really giving them something to think about. Um, and look, like both of them are clinical, both of them can score goals. But for me, Cavani and Ronaldo, I'd like to see them try this at two because I think they, they could be devastating and they could develop a, a partnership now. Age is only a number. Now, people say they're 34 and 36. Age is only a number, but you can't buy experience and you can't buy intelligence like they have. So, look, I think having the two of them up top against Spurs, against them, that, that particular centre-back pairing, I think it would be the wise to have the two of them up there in terms of a partnership. But, 
Um, we should wait and see um, in terms of um, what we go with. And look, I think most likely we probably see a 4 2 3 1 tomorrow. But look, it'd be interesting to see. Um, I'm going to go to Reese's comment here, his start at 11, just before we get our score predictions in. Um, Reese says, if we go three at the back, I know I gave my prediction last night in our show, but three at the back, I would go with De Gea, um, Lindelof, Boy, Varane, Delo, Matic, Van de Beek, Tellez, Bruno, Ronaldo, Cavani. He's more or less gone the same team I have, bar the exception of um, Wambazaka and... Um, Lingard, he's gone with Dallo and Bruno in the place of them. Look, you never know. It's, a, it's very attacking on the wing back side. Would Ollie drop on Bazaka? I don't think so. And he probably doesn't warrant to be dropped. One Bazaka hasn't been um, too bad in the last couple of games. It's been more the left hand side that's caused us problems. In terms of score predictions, I'm going to go to you firstly um, with your score prediction for tomorrow. Um, give us your prediction and if you have any scores, who's scoring? Okay, man. Just to touch on one point, because I, I, I was meant to uh, mention it just before I go to my score prediction. Um, it's just come to my head now. The, the other thing I would mention about my uh, my team, my starting eleven. obviously, it's just dropped my memory with you, you know, not starting Bruno. And I thought this midweek, the last couple of games I've watched at United, Bruno and Minaldo, it's great that, you know, they're disappointed if one of the teammates lose the ball, you know, and you know, but there's a there's an encouraging way to do it, and then there's a morning stroppy horrible way to do it. And the last couple of games I've watched, I thought the way the you know, with the team at the moment, I feel like it could be having a negative impact. I feel like sometimes they're mourning too much and they're not doing it encouragingly, they're doing it as a get out of jail free card to blame other people. Um, I've been through that with teams, you know, who and, and lads I've played with in the past, and it doesn't help. And that's one point I wanted to get over today. If I was going to drop them, they would be dropped on, you know, the, the attitude. You know, the, the attitude it's great to win, but encourage and try and help out. Don't try and put them down because if the lads playing with least, you know, not a lot of confidence, that's gonna that's gonna damage the confidence even more. So I just wanted to get that point. And if I was going to drop, you know, drop. My bigger plays, it would be it would be down to the attitude they've showed on the pitch. Um, so I just wanted to get that point in, mate. I thought I needed to mention that this week. Um, score predictions, uh, hard one, real hard one. I'm never ever gonna go for a United lose because you know that's a bit too pessimistic. Um, I will go for, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed for this. I'm gonna go for a two-one victory. Um, I said that reluctantly. I'll go for a Marcus Rashford goal. Hopefully, fingers crossed, he starts. And hopefully, I think I, I predict every week that Cristiano will pop up with an header or, you know. So I'm, I'm going to stick with that, mate. I'm going to go for 2 1. I don't think we're, we're definitely not going to be near. I don't think we're strong enough at the back to keep a clean sheet. Um, so I think we're always going to leak a goal or two. So, yeah, 2 1. I'll go for this week, mate. So he's gone with a 2 1, and always he has Cristiano um, on the score sheet. Phil, um, any luck with score predictions this week? What thing's going to go down? Yeah, um, it's difficult. I mean, it's going to be, you know, a game that both teams, as you mentioned, not in the best of form, um, struggling for, for a result of any sort of, you know, real sort of uh, quality. I think the both teams have not really put a 90-minute a, a performance in all season where it's been, you know, 
sort of a complete performance. So for me, I, I'm actually going to go for a draw. I actually think both teams will sort of be a little bit cagey, not want to um, concede an early goal. I think it'll be sort of a, a bit of a chess match. And then, um, yeah, I, I actually just think it'll be a, a draw. I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. Um, just, just on the point Lee made as well, though, in terms of Bruno and the negativity and, and sort of, you know, the body language that, you know, him and, and maybe some of the other players have, have been showing... I, I actually uh, picked up on that myself and, and obviously thought, you know, again, when, when things are going uh, really well, um, you know, it's not as bad. But as, as he's just mentioned, when, when things aren't going so good and as you say, you've got players who are playing very low in confidence and, and you've got players who, you know, should be leading by example and, you know, encouraging and, and trying to drive the team forward, I think. That is uh, a massive factor, uh, especially for some of the younger players um, who, who haven't maybe got that experience. And, you know, if they've made a couple of mistakes, that that can sort of compound it. And, you know, it, it does sort of, um, you know, affect you uh, mentally. Um, so it, I think that was a great point. And it will be interesting to, to see, obviously, if, if Bruno does get dropped, uh, how he reacts to that and you know it can go one or two ways when you've been dropped or if you know if you get took out the team it, it you know do you sulk about it and you know you think you you should be guaranteed to play or or do you you know get the bit between your teeth and think right I'm going to prove them wrong and, and I'm going to make sure that I'm back in the team I'm going to work hard in training and I'm going to do everything I can to to you know get my shirt back so Again, it'll be interesting to see. There'll be a few, I think, who'll obviously get pulled out and it's how you react. Yeah, definitely. Look, he's been dropped a couple of times for Portugal in the last in the last 12 months. And to be fair, when he's got dropped for Portugal, he showed good reactions and contributed in them games. Hopefully that can translate to, to us if it's a case where he does get dropped um, for this game, particular game, or whether it's Atalanta or City, that he does have a good reaction to it. As I said, it can go one or two ways. Either the player can down tools, the sulk, or they can show a reaction and fight for their shirt, which hopefully it's the latter, that, that he does fight for his shirt. And it's not a case where he downs tools, because that's not one thing that's one thing I I wouldn't like to see in, in terms of that, because obviously I have a lot of admiration um, for Bruno. Um, I can see here a couple of score predictions as well. Um, Reese has gone with a 2-2. And he says, Varane and Cavani to score for United. And Andrew also says as well, 2-1 United and Maguire and Bruno. And the score just literally on the topic of Bruno. And Andrew reckons we're getting a reaction out of Bruno and we're going to get a, get a goal um, from him. Um, I'm going to go 2-1 as well. Um, I do think Kane will score for um, Tottenham. I do think this is the game. As Lee said, that he'd probably get a reaction. And, and the fact that, like, look, he's probably has one eye on the Manchester City move that though he'd want to score against City's biggest rivals. So I think, that, I think for that... And for that note, I think Kane will score for Spurs this week. And I'm going to go with Edison Cavani um, to get one, either whether he starts or off the bench. And I'm going to go with Jesse Lingard to get on the score sheet as well. He's just a big game player. Look at his United career. Looking around the important goals that Jesse scored throughout his United career, I think you look at the way he played against Tottenham last season for West Ham. This game does suit him, and if he does start, he, I believe he will get on the score sheet, um, one hundred percent. But enough about Cart Manchester United in terms of this, because it's always stressful, kind of talking about them because we love them so much. And some weeks they play well, 
I suppose last few weeks they haven't. But this now, I'm been buzzing for this part of the podcast because we planned this a couple of weeks ago in terms of doing this. We're going to get Lee and Phil's Academy 11s from their time um, playing at the football club um, at Manchester United. So this um, should be absolutely deadly to see. We're going to see some gems in here, definitely for sure. And I'd be excited to see um, what their 11s are. And we'll, we will get this posted out um, on Talk of the Devils, on our social media, on our Twitter page. But also we will have it up um, on our website as well. And also while, while you're at that as well, at the end of this podcast, do go on talkdevils.co.uk. Do check out our latest piece with Paul Parker. He was recently on the podcast um, on Monday. and He did give his thoughts on Manchester United, on, on, on our form at the moment. Very insightful um, from former Manchester United right back. So do check that out um, on www.talkdevils.co.uk as well. Um, but Phil, I'm going to come to you first of all. Um, obviously, you're, you're um, in, in the in the academy. You, you've played with you know, a lot of a lot of great players in, in, throughout your time with Manchester United. Give me your um, eleven um, from one to eleven, and what formation have you got? So I've I've gone for a four four two just based on obviously you know that's the, the the standard formation we we used to sort of play that a lot um, and it it was really difficult actually to to actually pick uh, one player for each position because when you hear some of the names that I'm I'm going to sort of reel off now you, you'll understand why it was so difficult for me to to pick a team um, so in terms of goalkeepers. Um, the one I picked uh, was Tom Heaton. Obviously, Tom was, you know, the the, the keeper that I sort of played with um, for for the majority uh, of the time. In terms of he was the year above me, but I actually played the year above for quite a long uh, period. So he was somebody who I sort of, you know, played with more so than some of the other goalkeepers. But some of the other goalkeepers that I, I played alongside and you know played with as well, like of Ben Foster, uh, Luke Steele. Um, Tommy Lee, uh, Ron Robert Zeeler, the German keeper, you know, very, very good keepers. Um, but yeah, for me, Tom Heaton was the most consistent. He was obviously one of my, my closest friends as well. Um, but for me, he was somebody who, you know, you knew what you was going to get off Tom every week. And obviously he's had a fantastic career um, and I'm obviously still still playing now in, in the first team. So yeah, Tom Heaton in net for me. Um, yeah, had a very good career. Very yeah, good career. Yeah. There's a lot of spells outside the club. We look at Vill- his time at Villa, time to yeah. Burnley as well. Like he's had a very good good career outside of the football club as well. Yeah, hundred percent, and and obviously a great lad as well. So um, yeah, he he was my choice in net. Uh, right back again, another very difficult um, position for me. There was you know four or five candidates easily that could have slotted into this position. Uh, Danny Simpson, obviously you know won the prem with Leicester. He, he's somebody who I played with sort of from when I first signed at the age of 11 um, all the way through to 21 when I left. Um, but also the players who I played alongside who was, you know, top class was Phil Picking, uh, Phil Bardsley and, and Raphael. Um, you know, all, you know, unbelievable right backs in their own sort of uh, right. But uh, I actually just went for Danny Simpson just because I played with him a lot more. Um, and obviously he's, you know, somebody who sort of battled adversity, you know, when he got to 16, was going to get released, uh, wasn't quite filled out enough, you know, and Tony Whelan, the, the academy coach, gave him a chance. He went down to, down to the age group below, 
he developed physically, you know, and then, you know, he kicked on and, and proven, you know, he's, he's had a fantastic career and obviously still in touch with, with Danny uh, to this present day. So he, he's the person who I picked as uh, um, in that position, although the other lads, again, was was top draw. Now, the, these two centre-arse was probably the, the most difficult choice for me. Um, I'm going to name four centre-backs. I mean, there, there was, I had a list of about nine or ten. Um, but these four are the ones that I narrowed it down to. So I had Johnny Evans, I had Gerard Piquet, I had uh, Paul McShane and uh, Ryan Shawcross. Um, so for me, the the, the four centre-halves who I obviously spent a lot of time with uh, during the academy and obviously when I signed uh, full-time, uh, you know, them four was, was unbelievable. Um, and and to pick two out of them four is is nigh on impossible because all all four of them have been you know fantastic players. They've they've all had great careers. Um, I'm friends with all four of them. Um, but for me, obviously, just based on you know the the career that uh, Gerard Piquet went on to have, I've put him in in as a centre half because obviously you know I think he learned his trade in England. He struggled a little bit with the the sort of physical side of the game. Um, but when he went over to Spain, I think he adapted. And, you know, when you're playing in, in Barcelona's first team, you can't not uh, sort of be, you know, a good player. I think he, he was always fantastically um, gifted technically. He could drive out of the back four and his passing range was phenomenal. Uh, and, and I think he obviously benefited from, from that side of the things when he went over to Spain. So for, for me, I, I had him and, and Johnny Evans just because obviously Johnny was another one who, in the academy at that moment in time, he, he may not have been, you know, one of the more um, sort of standout players, but he's had a fantastic career and he's probably gone under the radar a little bit. I think he's, you know, been one of the Premier League's best centre-backs for, for a long time and, you know, he's still doing it now uh, with Leicester. You know, he got linked with Man City. He's, he's had, you know, a couple of other big teams that was, was in for him and for me, he's, he's a great lad and, and you know, for me, he, he just sort of picked... Paul McShane, because obviously I'm really good friends with Maka and somebody who I still speak to today. And obviously, if you want a centre half who's going to, you know, put his body on the line and all that kind of stuff, he would be your, your perfect um, example of that. So that would be centre backs partnership. Um, so it was PK and Johnny Evans, the two centre backs there. And you know, uh, just before we get to your left back, Phil, I just want to ask, yeah. just, since you actually touched on Johnny Evans there. Do you think when Louis van Gaal sold him in 2015 that we sold him a bit too early, considering the centre-back yeah. options we did have? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's a difficult one because in hindsight, you know, you look at him and you think at that moment in time, was he as good as what he was maybe a couple of years later? And, and you probably think no. So, yeah, you know, if we would have persisted with him and, and kept him, then, you know, he could have turned into, you know, probably one of our first-choice centre-halves and, and, you know, he wouldn't have that to spend, you know, all that money on, on other players coming into that position. So, yeah, it is a difficult one. Sometimes you look at a player and you think he's not quite playing regularly and, you know, do you want to move him on? But as you say, I think he's one that got away. I think he would have been a, a great addition to, to the squad um, and he's proven, you know, he's he's worth in gold. I think he's, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's, he's been a very solid and consistent performer. Yeah, 100%. And definitely someone who was, you know, I said, the one that got away. I think that's definitely a phrase we could use for him. Use for him definitely. Yeah. 
100%. So left back, um, obviously Lee was maybe a little bit older. Uh, I didn't want to... Obviously Lee was a fantastic uh, left back. I, I did play uh, quite a few games with Lee. And for me, you know, technically and in terms of, you know, getting forward and, and all that kind of stuff, Lee was probably, you know, the best at that that I played with. Um, just because I was a few years long, younger than Lee, um, I, I haven't actually put him in my team um, just because I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually didn't I didn't play probably enough with Lee um, to, to sort of warrant me putting him in his team. But I just wanted to obviously point out that he, he was definitely worthy of being in my team. So the, the other two um, potential candidates I was sort of, you know, flipping in between was Adam Eckersley. Um, I played with X um, sort of a little bit more than I did with Lee. Uh, he was another great, you know, left back, liked to get forward. He was aggressive um, and, and somebody, who, you know, I always enjoyed, you know, if I did play out wide, sometimes I, I enjoyed playing with him because he was somebody, who, you know, he'd get round you, he'd, he'd get back, he, he was fit. And um, as I said, he was, he was very aggressive. Sometimes he'd give you, you know, a bit of verbals, as we've just touched on there. Sometimes you get that, you know, bit of negativity and he, he had a bit of a moan in his locker sometimes, which, you know, some players do. But, you know, overall, a, a great player. And the other one was Danny Rose. Not not the Danny Rose from um, Tottenham. This was a lad who, uh, he, he was a midfielder predominantly, but um, he got put, because he, has, he was left-footed, he, he was very good technically. He got put... Um, into a left back slot uh, and and sort of took to it really well. And Rosie was one of them players where you know he would do anything for for the team. His attitude was exemplary. Um, he, he led by example for such a little lad as well. He, he couldn't half put a tackle in. And for me, he was somebody who I, I actually thought you know, even though he was a year younger than me, I, I sort of had massive respect for for Danny. And he's obviously gone on to have a great career. I think you know he's played for. Uh, Portsmouth, um, he's, he's still playing in the football league now. Um, so yeah, fair play to, to him, and, and he was somebody who I definitely considered. But I actually did pick Adam Eckersley just because I had more sort of uh, runnings and 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 sort of uh, games with X. But yeah, Lee, you you definitely would have been in there. Um, it was just obviously the fact that you know I didn't quite play enough with you, even though I did make me reserve team debut. Um, when you played, so yeah, oh, it's all right, Bill. I know where your loyalties lie, man. Yeah, it, it was nothing personal. I mean, <laughs> I was in it. I was. It was nothing personal. I mean, I, I could have quite easily put you in there, but as I say, you, you've probably played with other, you know, strikers and stuff that you know, like Pooley and people are more than than me. So, oh, no, man, you you was you was my number one striker, man. Well, yeah, I thought I was a bench. <laughs> <laughs> But no, so that's it. Yeah, so I've gone for Adam Eckersley left back. Okay, and then going into my midfield, um, on the right-hand side of the midfield, I, I only sort of had uh, one player for this position just because um, for me, well, there was two, but the, this lad was was probably the most standout because when I, I sort of seen him for the first time, I thought, wow, he's a, a top player. And that's uh, Chris Ebel. Um, he was, you know, Technically, probably one of the best players um, I'd seen in in sort of terms of the academy. You know, he was unbelievable both both feet, his passing range, uh, he could score, he could assist, and 
he was quite athletic. He, he sort of was a bit of a slim um, and sort of lanky type of player, but you know he was he was a fantastic player. And um, the other other option I thought of was Jamie Mullen. He was somebody who was you know a year younger than me, but you know unbelievably tricky. He could you know move the ball left and right. Uh, he, he's actually playing in uh, Wales now for TNS. And you know he's a great, he's a great player. Somebody who's got you know bags of tricks. He's fast, uh, but I just think Chris Eagles was was somebody who you know, um, especially with the career he's had as well. He, you know he's, he's played in the um, in the Prem a few times. He's you know he went to Bolton and you know he did well there. And obviously you know still speak to Chris. So he he's the the player I picked on the right hand side. His um, goal against Everton. His goal against Everton in, in terms yeah, of seconds. Thumping it. Just opened his body up and, and just, you know, found that bottom corner. And obviously, you know, for such a young lad to show that kind of maturity on that stage, again, that, that's the, the kind of quality I was talking about. Um, midfield, another tough um, another tough one for me. Um, obviously, my, my best friend uh, who I sort of went through every age group was Richie Jones. Um, I, dig, I stayed in digs with Richie. Um you know, he, he was somebody who took to me straight away when I first signed and, and sort of made me feel welcome. Um, but, but, you know, what a player he was. He had a bit of everything. He, you know, he could play, he could mix it up. He could, he loved to tackle. And for me, he was somebody who I sort of, you know, took to straight away just because I thought, wow, he's a, a great lad. He's a great player. You know, he wanted to be my friend. And, you know, for me, he made my time at United sort of... Um, a lot more enjoyable, um, especially in the earlier stages when you're trying to settle in. So um, Richie was somebody who I sort of put in my team just because I think, you know, he was somebody who I always looked up to and, and sort of shared a lot of good experiences with. And then the other three that I sort of shortlisted was Darren Gibson, uh, another, you know, top player. You know, he's had a fantastic career. You know, although he's had a few, you know, bad moments and, and sort of negative press for, for one thing or another, um, technically, you know, fantastic, unbelievable strike. I remember seeing him at a, a few balls and think, "Wow, like unbelievable!" You know, he could he could hit a, couldn't half hit a ball. Uh, Tom Cleverly was another one. Um, you know, he was a little bit younger, but I played with Tom. You know, at that moment in time, maybe wasn't quite developed a little bit like Danny Simpson, so didn't quite you know sort of play as many games as he might have liked. But again, shown that. You know, grit and determination to, to sort of um, get through that, and, and obviously had a fantastic career. Uh, and then David Jones as well, another one. Uh, at that moment in time, he was you know probably um, a regular in the reserves, and and somebody who I used to always enjoy playing with. He, he could pick a pass. He was clever with his runs, uh, and and sort of you know another quiet lad, but on the pitch. You know, he let his football sort of do the talking. Uh, he, he was a great player. But in terms of picking two, I went for Darren Gibson and Richie Jones in the middle of my midfield. She so went nice with play. Jones and, and Gibson in, in the two, so cleverly um, misses, out, misses out. Yeah, cleverly just misses out. Again, just because at that moment in time, I don't think Tom was, was you know, quite... Uh, what the player he's gone on to be. I think he was, you know, in terms of he hadn't filled out, he was maybe struggling a little bit in terms of, you know, confidence and, and other little things. And the other lads obviously were, you know, 
flying both you know in the in the peak if you like uh, and on the left, of your left side yeah on the left again um i put two down again i had kieran richardson who you know lee i'm sure lee will probably have kieran in his team um he was somebody who I, I played with, not probably as much as uh, the other lad who I've picked, but, you know, what a player he was uh, at that moment in time. You know, I think he was sort of, you know, the, the hottest prospect, if you like, that was potentially going to be breaking into the first team. You know, he was quick. He had a, you know, eye for goal. Um, and, and obviously, you know, he had all the sort of stuff that you'd want as a, as a winger. Um but yeah, he was somebody who again I, I didn't quite play enough with to to maybe put him in my starting But obviously, you did play with him to, to sort of recognise the talent. Um, so I, but I went for uh, Lee Martin. Um, Lee was somebody who who came in um, as I first signed in my first year, sort of YT. And again, he he reminded me of Chris Eagles in the in the fact that he he was good off both sides, good off both feet, could beat a man. Very tricky, uh, comfortable on the ball, um, had a great sort of uh, delivery and, and and just made the crosses look simple. And again, somebody who I got quite on, it got on quite well with, and, and somebody who you know was one of my closest friends, and and you know he, he's again gone on to have a fantastic career. So yeah, Lee Martin comes in for me on the left hand side. So you've you've Martin on the left, and um, so you've gone with. A four-four-two. Yeah. So two, you yeah. have many options up front. Yeah. Well, I've I've shortlisted four. Um, I've not included myself. Obviously, you can't you can't have yourself. Uh, although, I, yeah, it, it was difficult to leave myself out really because you know, Lee, Lee will tell you. <laughs> no. Yeah. The, t- the the two I've gone for. Um, are probably the two that I had the most sort of time playing with, um, and the other two I played a lot with and recognised the talent, and you know they've gone on to have really good careers, but maybe just didn't quite play enough with them to to warrant them being in my team. So the two lads that I did play with, but not quite enough, was Danny Welbeck. I mean, Danny Welbeck was somebody who you know at that age was technically unbelievable. Um, you know, he was still developing physically, um, you know, along with some of the other lads, but you could see that potential. You could see that the talent was there. Um, but again, just maybe didn't play enough with him to, to sort of warrant him being in my team. But again, what careers he's, he's had, you know, a lot of bad injuries and stuff that maybe held him back um, to really maybe reach the, the highest of his um, possibilities. But for me, he was a great player. And Sylvan Ebanks Blake was another one. Um, you know, Sylvan was probably um, one of the strongest players I'd ever seen um, at academy level and, and sort of, um, you know, youth team level. You know, he, he absolutely built like an ox and, and used to back into defenders and, you know, roll them for fun because of how physically strong he was. And he was a great goal scorer, top lad. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of just missed out above the, the other two that I, I picked just based on obviously playing with them more and, and just thinking, you know, for me, obviously the, the just maybe a little bit more um, of an X factor. So Giuseppe Rossi was, was a, a definite for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rossi was somebody who came in and I think I, I remember seeing him and thinking, wow, he's only small. 
you know, he, he's got, he's got, going to have to have some, you know, unbelievable talent to to sort of come and mix it with some of these lads that we was playing against. Um, but yeah, he he definitely uh, exceeded my expectations. I think in terms of technical ability and and being able to you know manipulate a football the way he did was was exceptional. He I, I actually loved playing with him because his vision, his his way to pass, um, and and his finishing was was something to just be you know so sort of um, excited about. I mean, he was he was breath of fresh air he was one of the best I've seen at that level um, and obviously went on to have a, a great career you know played for Italy international level um, Villarreal you know he's at Fiorentina he, he's been you know about and, and what a career and then the other lad was Fraser Campbell um, Fraser oh, yeah. another one um, who I played quite a lot with you know pace aggression in the right way um you know, a nightmare to play against for defenders. I can imagine back then because he was always on the shoulder. He'd be dropping in. He'd be working hard. He'd be pressing. He could finish. Um, and for me, he was somebody who I enjoyed playing with quite a lot because, you know, we had a, a great understanding. Um, didn't really have to work on too much. Uh, it just flowed naturally. Um, and, and again, you know, he was somebody who's gone on to have a, a really good career, you know, prolific in, in the championship for, for quite a few years with Hull. Um and yeah, you know, I think them two up front would, would cause absolute mayhem um against any team really. So yeah, that'd be my team. A lot of pace there up front, um uh, with Rossi and, and and Campbell up there up front. Um especially Danny Welbeck as well in there on that team if you had put him there as well. Yeah. Again someone who'd definitely give you a lot but I'm going to come to Reese's comment just before we get to Lee's 11 um, Reese says um, Ebanks Blake was a machine for Wolves one of the players I'm got it didn't didn't work I actually wonder what yourself and Ebanks would have like a first team with Lee whipping crosses in um, just on that going to bring Lee into that there as well what do you reckon Lee um, I, I Phil Ebanks Blake off front the line. that probably happened if I'm being honest that probably did happen in the reserve game somewhere down the line what do you reckon Phil yeah, 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 it would have happened that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would, have would have been, yeah, I think that would have happened at some point. Um, it was just obviously difficult because there was that many, you know, good players around that time. I mean, I'm interested to, to sort of see some of the names that you've got in your team because obviously when I was thinking in mind, there was a lot of lads there who I've probably not even mentioned. Um to be honest, I've got a lot of the a lot of the same. I'm always thinking a lot of the same than you, which I'll, I'll show you in a minute. Obviously, with me being them couple of years older than you, I probably played with players that you didn't get the opportunity to play with. You know what I mean? And vice yeah. versa, I didn't play with Welbeck because obviously he was younger. Yeah, yeah. Tom Cleverley was a little too young for me to play with. Um, Danny Drinkwater is another one. No, yeah, you, you yeah I didn't play with Danny. I can't think of the little the little uh, black kid. He was absolutely amazing growing up. He was about maybe a little younger than Brilliant. you. Fabian Brandy, another, yeah, another one. Before. He yeah. was supposed to have been absolutely immense, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. He's, he's somebody who I didn't even think of, but yeah, what I mean, what a player he, he was as well. Yeah, yeah. For such a small lad, he was... Strong as an up yeah. I think he trained with us once or twice, and the pace and the strength he showed, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a good, what, four or five years younger than me, um, and he come yeah. up and trained with us, I think at like under-19 level. And he was phenomenal for his age, you know what I mean? And I would have thought he would have been the next big thing at United. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Lee, in terms of your eleven, um, with regards to it, give me your your starting eleven, one to eleven, and let us know what formation you've gone with as well. Yeah, Keen. I've I've basically done two two teams. Uh, I'll try and run through them as quick as I can with you. What I've done, I've probably done uh, an eleven, which has been you know probably the most successful out of the eleven I could have chose, and I've also done a team of probably a lot of players what you wouldn't have heard of. Uh, but they showed, you know, the potential they showed growing up through the years was was unreal, and they probably at that time was better than the players what I've chosen my first eleven. So I've done two. Um, I'll try and rush through as quick as I can if that's okay, man. Yeah. So my keeper, um, I played with quite a good few keepers. Um, this guy is it in either of my um, teams, and I've only just thought of him and remembered him um, while we've been on this podcast. So I thought I'd better give him a mention. Because he got released off United very, very early on his career. I think he was only about 13, 14. But he had, he's ended up having a fantastic career. And he's only just come to me. He's like goalkeeper Westwood. Um, I think he's, he's the Irish goalkeeper or the Northern Irish goalkeeper. I can't think Yeah, it's Republic Royal keeper, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was, he was, I don't know, he's gone on to have a fantastic career. And I just thought he deserved a mention because I've only literally just thought of him. But the, uh, my, my. Sheffield Wednesday, is he the Sheffield Wednesday? Yeah, he's had a phenomenal. I mean, he got yeah. released when we was, you know, young, maybe 12, 13, no, no later, later than 14. And then I didn't hear nothing from him. Then all of a sudden, he was, uh, he was playing for, I think it was Ireland and playing, you know, in the. In Sunderland as well. Yeah. Northern Ireland, is it Kenya? Yeah, he's play, playing with the Republic of Ireland. He, he made Republic, a few appearances yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with us and then he went on to play with Sunderland as well. He had a good career at Sunderland. Yeah, he's had, he's had, a, he's had an amazing career and he's, he's just flicked up, so I just thought he deserved a mention. Uh, but yeah, um, basically, I've gone with the same keeper as Phil. Um, probably have gone Tom Eaton. Uh, I played hell of a lot with Tom. You know, he, uh, the, he's gone on to achieve so many things in his career. A lovely lad. Uh, just a lot of think he was. Lovely lad, nice personality, um, great attitude towards the game. Um, and look, back at United where he belongs, you know, the team where we learned this trade. Uh, more power to him. I'm, I'm absolutely made up to see him back. So that's my keeper. Um, very similar back four to Phil, actually. Um, I've gone, I didn't go with Danny Simpson because, again, Danny was a couple of years younger than me. But it was an early decision because, like I say, he's won the Prem. But I've gone with a lad who I've grown up with from being eight years old until obviously I finished at 21. Um, very good friend at the time. Um, local lad, Salford lad, Phil Bardsley. Um, you know, he, he literally lived on Littleton Road. His dad owned a pub called the Curzel Club, which was actually on the training field. He, him and his family lived and breathed Man United, you know. At 16, it was touch and go whether he was going to get a contract or not. Um I think when the rest of us was enjoying, you know, one year YTS contracts and uh, two and three year pros, I think he, you know, literally got one year YTS to try and prove himself. Um, but he come back and absolutely did prove himself. You know, look at the career he's had. He's still playing Premier League football, no, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, great lad. Uh, don't think he's ever let pain go to his head. And, uh, you know, fantastic. He made an absolutely fantastic fullback in his career. Uh, played international football for Scotland. Although I'm not quite sure whereabouts he's got that one from, but <laughs> he uh, made up for Phil. He's had a great career. I, re- I reckon Sir Alex, Sir Alex definitely had something to do yeah. with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Alex I, is running in the office, definitely. I've played England schoolboys with him, so at one point he has played for England schoolboys. Yeah. 
Sir Alex has had the family tree out there, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely had the family tree, I've made. But yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing career. Uh, made, absolutely made up for the guy. Um, deserved it. Lee, just, Lee, just on just on Bardo. I mean, I remember like what a specimen he was, yeah. mate. In the gym, I yeah. remember. I remember him. He, he used to. I mean, I, I obviously was a couple of years younger than, than Bardo, but I, I actually just remember going in the gym this one particular day and he was doing some weights and he, he had a vest on and then he took his vest off. I, I don't think he was taking it off to like show off or anything, but honestly, mate, how, how like hench was Phil Bardsley? Well, if you if you just take you back to when I said at 16, uh, it wasn't, I don't think, I think he'll tell you himself, I don't think he was expected to get a contract at 16. I think he thought he was going to get released. Uh, he was very lightweight, Phil, believe it or not, Phil. Um, you know, growing up 13, 14, 15, very lightweight. Like myself, I was always a little lightweight, you know, growing up. But Phil was probably a little more lightweight than me. Um, and he went away after he got his, his year's YTS when he was 16. And I don't know what he did that three season, mate, but he come back hench. And yeah. I mean, it, was oh, mate. it must have worked. That's what I mean. It, it, yeah, it he must have been sleeping with Yeah, to get, to get where he went. And, like I say, from then, he just kicked on, you know what I mean? And he deserved it because from, you know, probably looking like he weren't going to get a contract and quite easily, you know yourself when you're 16, they might have loved what you've seen, you know, they don't get the YTS and they don't get the professional and they yeah. fall by the wayside and, you know, they, they take your heart and they don't play football again. So, like I say, more power to him for doing what he's doing and, you know, we've made, not only made millions, but had a fantastic career, you know what I mean? So, fair play to him for doing that. So, yeah, I've, got, I've gone for Phil. As my right back, mate. Um, and your like, centre back pairing. Yeah, my centre back pairing. There's no surprise here. Phil's already mentioned you can't you can't play with Jeva PK um, and not put him in your your starting eleven as a centre back. I had a couple of years with Jeva. I remember him first coming to the club, uh, and to be honest, I didn't think he was much cup. If I'm being completely honest with you, um, I thought that he was an overrated lad from Barcelona who's got over um, just because you know he's come from a a fantastic club, um, but over you know a matter of the months, he adapted to the English game. Um, I still didn't think when he left United that he was going to go on to have the career that he actually has. Um, you know, he's probably been one of Barcelona's best centre backs for an age now, um, and again, he's a lad I'm absolutely absolutely made up for. Um, so yeah, he's probably the most successful out of anyone I've I've played with or grown up with or you know I had the pleasure to share a pitch with. So he's uh, he's one of my centre backs. His Instagram profile is one of the best things ever as well. If you ever had one, have a look at his Instagram profile. It's just absolutely nuts. I mean, I mean, you've got to give him, you've got to give him praise, aren't you, for marrying Shakira too? Let's be honest. You know, well done, well done. So <laughs> he's done really well. <laughs> and Reese says the best Gerard to play in English football. I like that one, Reese. <laughs> so uh, again, centre back wise, it was an hard decision. Um, I've not picked Maka on paper, and I'm wondering now whether I should or not. Uh, this I've still undecided. It's 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 Johnny Evans or Paul McShane. Um, I think I'll change. I think while you went Johnny, I think I'll change it up and I'll go Paul. Uh, played a lot with Paul. Played, played more football with Paul than Johnny because Johnny was again. I think he's a couple of years younger than me. Johnny Evans. Yeah, Johnny uh, was younger than me, so. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I did. I did play a little bit with him, but not not as much as I played with Paul. Paul is everything I like in a centre back. Everything I like in a centre back is a Vidic, is a Stam, is that kind of no nonsense. 
put your foot in, get the job done, defend first, everything else comes second. Centre back, he must have been horrible. You, you, you probably played against him, Phil, in training. It must have been yeah, horrible. horrible. Yeah, horrible. As you just mentioned, you don't want to play against someone like that because, you know, no. he's one of them who will put a foot in. He won't leave you alone. You know, he's horrible in the respects. You know, he, he's pulling, pushing, yeah. everything just to try and put you off your game. And, and Listen, for... when, I, when, I, when I knew he was on that team sheet and he was playing at the side of me, mate, I was, you know, I was over the moon. I, I knew that I had a lad there who gave 110% for the cause. I know if I lost the ball, he'd be covering rounds. He knew if he lost the ball, vice versa, I'd be covering around. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's the type of, that's the type of way we grew up at United. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, as a back four, you was like your own little team. I know you've got, a t- you know, yeah. you've got a full 11, but we always got taught that back four was solid. Like I said, we always played 4 4 2. And we always got taught, you know, that, that was your family, that's what you looked after. And I knew if Maka were playing, he'd, he'd be looking after everybody in that back four. So, yeah, I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to go with Paul McShade. That is a solid, that's a solid back three at the minute you're given there. And obviously, like, you Paul McShane and, and PK. Like, I know from watching Paul McShane in his days with Ireland, like, he was a no nonsense defender. And, like, do you know, you have PK that the Rolls Royce beside him, then you have the, the, the Paul McShane, we know nonsense. I think you have a good blend there in terms of like your partnership and kind of balance there. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, man, brilliant. Now, left back wise, um, uh, I, 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 I've actually got down again on paper, but I'm changing my name. I've actually got down Adam left. Um, I was very close with Adam. I know it sounds a bit silly that because me and Adam were for years, was you know who was getting into, hopefully, the first team in the same position. Adam was here younger than me. Um, I could drive a lot sooner than Adam. And we we formed an unlikely friendship. I used to pick Adam up from training, sorry, from his house a lot, uh, take him to training, take him home. You know, we struck up a, a, a very nice unlikely friendship. Um, and I think we spurred each other on um, to, you know, to, be, to get the best out of each other, which we could. Uh, and he was, like Phil said, he was a, he was an absolutely fantastic left back. Ferocious um, going forward, strong, good tackler, local boys. You found that all the local boys were, you know, we, we felt like we had something to prove at United when they used to bring, you know, either the foreign lads in or what we used to call the out-of-town players who they brought in for some money. Um, we always felt like, you know, we had we had a point to prove. So we always knew that we'd give that little bit extra in training, maybe left that footing in a tackle a bit more to get recognised. So, yeah, I did have Adam Eckley down, but I, if I'm going to go off career-wise, he's probably had the better career and it's probably someone you've not played with, Phil, because he was a little older than me. I'd probably have to go with Danny Pugh. Um, you know, he, he I think he yeah. was lingering in and around the first team for quite a while. And then I did he go on to Leeds, I think, after the first team. Uh, had a good few seasons there. I think he's still playing up to, up to this season. He's had a you know a real long. I think he went to Stoke too. Had a good few years at Stoke. Um, he's had a real long, you know, glittering career. Really, he's done really well at left back. I, I can't really think of any other left backs really. What you know, from my era, what actually went on to you know establish himself in the first team, apart from that, Danny having a you know a good run. So really, I cocked up because I should have been in there. <laughs> yeah. What well, did, did uh, Lee did uh, Lynchy? Do you remember the Lynchy? He was more right back when he was. Was he a right back? Yeah, more I just, back. Yeah, was more right yeah, back I just remember him, him being a full back, but I couldn't remember if he was a right back or a left yeah, back. Yeah, the right back. I mean, we had to, 
you mentioned Phil Picking, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, right back. Uh, you know the right backs. There was there was there was Raphael. I never played with, with any of the Silver Brothers again. I think I must have left before they come. I think I yeah. left before they come. Four five. I think they might yeah. have just turned up. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But you know, there's been some fantastic right backs, haven't there? But I, I, just going off success out of the career at a left back, I, I'll go with Danny Pugh. So that's me. Tom Eaton in nets. Phil Bursley right back, Gemma PK, Paul McShane, centre backs, Danny P left back. Um, on the right hand side, again, Chris Eagle, what a shout, what a player. The, I remember Chris coming again, he was, I think he joined straight into my age group, but he was a year younger than me. Uh, the only thing that let him down a little bit, I think Phil mentioned, he was lightweight at the time, very lightweight, he got pushed off the ball. But when he had the ball at his feet, you know, he, he you couldn't take the ball off him, could you, Phil, if you remember? The, the, very, very good player. The, you know, the, the, the scale and the, yeah. the, the ability to, you know, dodge a tackle or, you know, ride a tackle, should I say, sorry, and, you know, carry on. And the, the, the right foot, he had a great right foot. It, it probably reminded a lot of players of, of David Beckham uh, when, when he was raw and he first came onto the scene. I think he got compared to that quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, potentially, he had, he had fantastic potential, and again, he's made he's made a good career out of the game. But there's a guy who stands out for me. Um, I lived with him for over two years. Uh, I'm probably the most cocky footballer I've ever come across in my life. Uh, but absolutely amazing, Bojan Jordic. Um, fantastic, Paul was amazing. You know, I remember the goal he scored against Celtic. Uh, we were I was living with him at the time, um, and just just. Magic, magic player, Bojan. He didn't have, he worked the quickest on the right, but the skill and, you know, the game management, what he could do, he was, he was a great, great player. And again, he's played in, I don't know how many countries, uh, at top level football. He does a lot with MUTV now, I believe. Um, and yeah, I, I lived with a guy for a while. I had a great relationship with him in the digs at Cecil Avenue. Um, so I, I put Bojan there on the right. Um, Midfield was quite easy for me, actually. Um, I lived next door but wanted Aaron Fletcher for many years. Um, the, the, the career he had at Man United is, you know, second to none. I remember Darren coming as a young lad. Um, he had, you know, he had this reputation when he came. I think he was about 13, 14 when Darren came. And Darren was a year older than me at the time. Um, and he had a reputation what preceded him, really. Um, and I remember him showing glimpses of what a player he could be and then he'd get injured uh, come back on the training field get injured again and I remember him having to have bolts actually put in his foot at some point because of the injuries he was having uh, and at one point he didn't look like he was going to get over him uh, now all of a sudden started performing in the uh, in the reserves and ended up you know in the first team and the story speaks for itself with Alan Fletcher he, he, he was an amazing amazing midfielder for the club who give you know, so many years of hard work and graft towards the team. And uh, again, he's a, he's a lad I'm absolutely made up, back involved with a club like Macca. And I think these are the lads, you know, who understand the way Man United and understand the philosophies. Um, and they're, they're the type of lads what, what are needed in and around the club to, to get the club back where, where, where it needs to be. So, yeah, Darren Fletcher was a no-brainer for me. And I've also... Did you go with David Jones, Phil? No, I went for Richie. I mean, Rich, David Jones was your age, when he saw a little bit yeah. older. But 
it, great play. Great he play. kept rating up, and at the end, I just heard Jones. Well, I've gone different, mate. I've gone David Jones. I don't yeah. think I've met a guy in centre midfield that had the football brain of David Jones. His, 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 his brain was absolutely phenomenal. He knew he could scan a field and know before that ball came to him where he was going to pass that ball. Two or three passes before it came. He, he, you know, he played on my side. He played on the left-hand side of midfield. And he was always available. Every time I had the ball, he was available. I knew, you know, if I was in there, I had, all I had to do was look up in the back and he'd be there wanting the ball, always on the side, turn, always looking over his shoulder, never give the ball away. Fantastic, mate. So, I, I can't think of any any other team midfield players I've played with in my time, which are, you know, over a long period of time, which are, are any better than them two. So, they'd be my two central uh, midfield players. And you did call it, mate, on the left, uh, Kieran Richardson. I, I had to pick Kieran, you know, for, for since I think it was about under 14s, I was I was at left back, he was left wing. Um, you know, he, he kind of had, there was him and Ben Collett, if you remember Ben. Ben, um, yeah. I'll touch, I'll touch on him my second team, on the other team, because Ben's in the second team, what I've picked. Um, so I'll touch on him in a bit. But yeah, for, for sheer talent, Kieran Richardson was the benchmark when we was going up, you know. Um, that's who, who everyone wanted to be at, at that time when I, you know, we all wanted to be Kieran because Kieran was the big name. Kieran was the guy who was getting his chance going training with the first team when we was under 19s. Um, he was the guy who was going to, you know, the European matches and, you know, for third player to him at, at that time, it, it was head and shoulders above us all. Um, so, right, rightly so, he deserves his place um, on my left wing. And with regards to that's a stacked that's a stacked midfield you have there, like in terms of that with your front two, I, with the amount of players you played, I'd say it's been a tough choice. Very tough choice, mate. Very tough choice. But again, like I say, this team what I've gone, I've gone with um, success really rather than potential. What happened? See, so who's that? Reeves. He's jumping on my second team already. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know what? I was literally just going to say to you, on my second team. what about Mad Tim? So, basically, I've got Giuseppe Rossi. You, Phil, you, you hit the nail on the head, didn't you, with Giuseppe? Yeah. You, uh, the, 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 you, can't, you can't leave Giuseppe out. I mean, I think it was Villarreal, wasn't it? Look at what he did there. He, yeah. he, I cannot believe he did not make it as a striker at United. He was nailed on for me. Um, yeah. I think you know, any other time, any other time period that he was at the club, he, he would have. I think it was just because at the moment in time that we was all there, the, the team was just like sort of infested with that much quality. Yeah. It was like literally impossible. Rudy, yeah. Ronaldo, Tevez, you know, Berbatov, Saha, you know, all these types of players. You know, how, how are you going to get in front of any of them? It was, it was. I, I, I was devastated for the lad, Phil. You know, when he got released, I was absolutely devastated because it, it was such a nice lad, if you remember, too. He was a real, real yeah, oh, nice lad. Um, yeah. And you used to watch him train and some of the stuff he could do with a ball. It reminds me very much of Veron. When you used to watch Veron mm-hmm. train and you used to think, wow, how's he done that? He used to do the same with Giuseppe. And some of the yeah. goals he used to put in training and oh, even man. in the reserves, you know, he'd, he'd pop up, get the ball, you know, from nothing, put it in the top corner from 30, 40 yards out. It was, it was magical. Um, so I, I, I had to put Giuseppe in. 
And my second striker, mate, is uh, you've already mentioned him. I think it's because I played quite a lot with him too, myself. It was Sildon. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Sildon was probably, like you said, the, the strongest centre centre forward I've, I've ever seen. He, he, the ability he had to actually back into a player and roll a player. It reminds me very much of, um, I don't know if you'll know him, Keith, there was a guy growing up who I played with called Jamal Johnson. You'll know him, Jamal, won't you? Yeah, yeah, Jamal, yeah. And he had that natural ability to, you know, get him, get touch a player, put his back into him and just naturally roll him and spin him and he was away. Uh, Jamal had a great career. Um, I think after he left United, I think he went over to America. <clears throat> I was in, quite in touch with him uh, via Facebook, you know, quite a lot in a couple of years ago. Kind of lost contact with him now. But following his career, I think he had, you know, did really well down there in uh, America. Uh, but yeah, Sylvan, I think I've just brought a little stat down here. Obviously, he didn't really hit it at United, but when he, he left and then he ended up at Wolves, he played 177 appearances, 61 goals. Club legend for them, you know what I mean? Them, them seasons he had there, he did really well. Um, and we'll probably want to, again, with Giuseppe and with Sylvan, they're probably most successful strikers <clears throat> who I played with in my era. So that is my successful 11. And in terms of the other 11 of the unknown players, because obviously the, the hidden gems that are in there. I'll try to do this quickly, Keen, because I know it obviously we've been on quite a while now. So there's a guy called Luke Steele. I don't know if you remember Luke Steele or not. Um, I actually spoke to Luke yesterday um, about some, something or another. He was an absolute fantastic goalkeeper, Luke. Uh, went on, I think, to become Panathinaikos' first choice goalkeeper a couple of seasons ago. Um, didn't really do much at, at United, but raw talent. But absolutely, I remember him coming in. He was he's not a, he's not a local boy. I know he's from uh, I think he's down south. I reckon sure somewhere like Hartfield. Can you remember? Hartfield. I think Peterborough, ain't he? <clears throat> it's down that way, anyway. Uh, yeah, I think so. He he. he uh, I, I don't know whether he was first choice growing up. Um, above. Above Tom, I'm th- I think he was. I think Luke yeah, actually I think when, I, when, when I was leaving was 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 you know in there before Tom Eaton. So it showed the pedigree he had and, and what a, a goalkeeper he was. Uh, right back is a guy. What what a guy this guy was. One of the biggest characters you'll ever meet. Lee Sims <clears throat> played with England with Lee um, for for years. Absolutely fantastic right back, mate. Fantastic. Uh, he didn't. He fell out the game probably the same time as I fell out the game. I'm not sure why Lee. Why Lee did? Obviously, I fell out the game through injury. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Lee. Whether he just lost his way. Uh, I, I actually think he's a painter now, to be honest with you. Uh, but he's just. I'm just trying to get him back involved with the club a little because I think Lee deserves it. He, you know, he gave yeah. so many years of uh, hard work and dedication to it, and I, I think he does deserve a bit of recognition off the club because he, he was an absolutely. Phenomenal right back, and no one could take his place at right back. Phil, could they? No, he was, he was a great player. I used to hate him. Yeah, he was somebody. I mean, as you say, what a character. Um, you know, proper. You know, in the dressing room and all that kind of stuff. You know, he, he was great to have around the place, just as a, as a character. But yeah, again, yeah. And, and, he's and right there about the recognition. He was a great player. When you've got a bit bad or two, with being a big lad, Lee was a big lad. He looked like a weightlifter. Yeah, he <laughs> was a, it was a big, big one, yeah. you know what I mean? So he was he would have been at right back, mate. Uh, there was a lad called Chris Taylor, uh, Brummer. Remember Brummer? Yeah, uh, he was England's captain for years growing up throughout, throughout the levels. 
Um, I always remember playing with it was them two, him and Glenn Johnson were the centre back pairing at the time. Uh, I think for our under 16s England squad, and he was the captain, mate. He was he was phenomenal. Chris Taylor was an absolute yeah. phenomenal uh, centre half, probably the best centre half I've seen growing up. Uh, again, you would have thought he would have made you know the the best career because he was that good. Uh, I know he did go on to play for. Um, and it's a, it's a, I know it's a West Midlands team, I think. I can't think which one it were. But it's, it went down to the lower leagues anyway. Uh, but, yeah, he, he, he could have quite easily have been up the Premier League easily. Yeah. So, Chris would have been another centre-back. And then a lad you'll know well, Phil Mark Howard, local Salford yeah. lad. Um, had a, a great career, I think, over in America again. He lives yeah. over there now. Uh, fantastic centre-back. And then I went with he played for Bromby for a bit as well, didn't he? Bromby, yeah, yeah. He did, mate. Went over to Scandinavia, didn't he? Played over yeah, he did. Him and Eckers, I think, went over there. Well, yeah, I've got Adam as my, my left back because, yeah. I, like I say, Adam was he was a great, great left back, Adam. A uh, great friend, like I say, growing up. Um, I remember him buying him getting the bollocking. I think it was up Alex Ferguson because I think with his the first signing on for he got, he went and bought a Spitfire car. Remember the Spitfires? <laughs> so the Spitfire. So yeah, I mean, my first girl was a Vauxhall Tigra, so you can, you can see the difference. He went and bought a Spitfire, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, but, but uh, Spe- again, speaking of cars, Lee, just a quick one I always laugh about, and I, I sometimes just have a chuckle. Do you remember Jousey turning up in his Beetle? The Beetle, the worst car you've ever seen driving down Carrington. All these Ferraris and Porsches are turning up, Jousey's rattling in, in the flipping Beetle. Like well, a wire edge beetle falling so, bit. So there was a goalkeeper keen called James Joyce. And again, he was a good goalkeeper, <laughs> fantastic goalkeeper, brilliant goalkeeper. Uh, but he, sometimes when uh, John, the, I think his name was John, the buzzman, he used to pick us up from Diggs to take John Hart. John Hart, yeah, God bless him. He's the, obviously, he's passed now, God bless him. Um, when, when James passed his test, he rung me and a few of the boys up. He said, I've just got my new car. You need, I'll take you to training today. So we didn't know what it was. He wouldn't tell us. It was the oldest, most knackered beetle you've ever come across in your life. And he had a uh, fast car play. You know, like, you've got a fast car, that song. <laughs> he had that absolutely blasting all the way. I was like, what's going on? But yeah, yeah, what a character. Uh, but yeah, Adam Eckers has been left back. Uh, I think I've already mentioned the left wing, a uh, lad called Ben Collins. Ben Collick was my roommate. Uh, what an absolute guy Ben Collick were. So shy, so reserved, very quiet. But I have never known a professional footballer give as much dedication and give us, you know, 120% in every single thing he did, mate. I mean, the, the day of a match, you know, you, you'd be looking forward to a little bit of a lying uh, in the hotel room. I'd be thinking, you know, nine, ten o'clock, I'll get up, have a shower, go for something to eat. But when you used to uh, room up with Ben, six o'clock in the morning, the alarm would go off, he'd be stretching off, he'd be in the shower, um, just just completely dedicated to the cause. Uh, unfortunately, he broke his leg in the FA, I think it was the FA Youth Cup, um, mm-hmm. untelevised, sorry, untelevised, televised on the FA Youth Cup. Um, and... Uh, the good thing for Ben was because obviously his hard work and dedication, Alex Ferguson picked up on it, so did Gary Neville and a few more. Uh, they went to a lawsuit, and I think he got a 4.2 million pound payout over it because 
they said he would have, you know, he would have made a, a long, a long career out of the game. And, you know, I was absolutely made up for Ben because he deserved it. You know what I mean? If, if there's one player I've, I've, I've ever, ever come across with, with the dedication you need for the sport, it would be Ben. Yeah. Um, so, did, you ever, yeah. did you ever used to, I used to, sometimes after training, I'd go to the gym or I'd just go for like, you know, game of table tennis or whatever. And I'd see Ben Collett and he'd be just doing kick up to the tennis ball. I remember, do you not remember? Um, and he was there for about half an hour. He didn't drop it once. I was like, do you remember Mike Clegg? The, the fitness coach, Mike, Mike Clegg. You remember Mike? Yeah, Walker? Clegg, yeah. Then uh, he used to have, you know, the light thing, what he used to, the reaction thing. The back the and every spare minute Ben had, like I said, we'd be having a game of table tennis, um, you know, on the yeah. texting your girlfriend or whatever, as we used yeah. to do with lads. He, he was on the, he was on the reaction machine, in the weights, in the gym. It just just totally dedicated, you know. Yeah, uh, like I'm so glad that it paid off for him. Uh, it, it deserved. I know it's a lot of money to say you didn't make it, but if there's one lad I would have wished to have, you know, got something out of the game we didn't actually play at a top level, it, it would have definitely been better. Yeah. So that that's my uh, on the left. Um, there's two two players here in midfield. One of one is still at United, believe it or not, but he's a coach, Neil Wood. Woody, uh, not, not it was it was phenomenal. If you would, I've never known anyone who could spray your ball around the field like Woody could. He 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 left peg, wasn't he? Oh, never never seen nothing like it. Ping, uh, every time you used to hit the ball, it was a ping. It was ping yeah. everywhere, every, every direction. Ping, 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 ping. Phenomenal, mate. And you know, you didn't need to move. It it, it could it, it could hit you on a and See, it was it was unreal. Um, so again. I've got Woody in the. Uh, didn't really, you know. I don't. I don't think. Did he even make? I don't think he made a first team appearance, did he? Not sure. But well, sure. I can remember. But uh, you know, the, the pedigree he had growing up was was phenomenal, and he was the best swimmer you will ever come across in your life. I think he was a better swimmer than he actually was a footballer. When we used to do uh, rehabilitation in uh, when we was injured, which obviously I was quite a lot. Uh, oh, I hate the swimming. Oh man! Oh man! Get the armbands out for me. I hate it. Used to get put up against Woody. He was. He was just. It was a. It was a machine. I've been some provocation there. Like I used. I used to hate me, and he was all like doing like lengths under the water, head out, and all that, and I'm splashing about. I'd done. I'd done half a length. He'd done three lengths by the time I'd done half a length. It was. It was phenomenal. So I've got him in, mate, and I've also got. I don't know if you remember him or if you played with him, Phil. He was a year older than me, David Fox. Foxy, yeah, Foxy. Foxy. He was at Blackpool, with me actually. I went to Blackpool after United, and he, he was there. Foxy, yeah. yeah. What a player Foxy was, you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, a lot of people forget about Foxy, but he, he was a he was a great player. Play, you know, going. I think he went to it was Norwich. When he had a good. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, he went to Norwich. I think him and Colin Heath were probably the two that stayed. I think they only left United when they was probably like 24, 25. Yeah, yeah, I think myself. yeah, was, yeah. They was playing the reserves when I was like. Coming, and they'd been there for for three or four years before that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, they were both they were both a year older than me, and I know yeah. they, they had two or three years after I'd left. <clears throat> but again, I don't think either one. Of, well, I think Foxy might have played a couple of uh, a couple of League Cup games, but I don't think Colin mm. did. I can't even remember Colin um, no, played play, played for first team, and I don't think Colin. I don't think he did much in the game, did he? I think he uh, <clears throat> after he left United, I don't think he went. No, I don't think so. No. But yeah, I've got 
I've got David Fox in there. On the right, I'll not mention too much because we've already mentioned him, Chris Eagles. Uh, yeah. You know, we've already been there and done that with Chris. Had all the potential in the world and made a good career. And then up front, I've got, my man just mentioned them, Mads Tim. Another guy who I lived with for two years, Mads. Uh, bit of a peculiar one before you got to know him, uh, which yeah. I'm sure you'll know, Phil. He, oh, uh, mad, mad character, eh? He was a character, yeah. Um, but well, if you remember when he first come over, he um, the, the hype around Mads was was yeah. unreal. Um, he was uh, one of them players. Lee, I remember. Obviously, I seen Mads like loads of occasions, but I remember seeing him a few times and think like, "Wow, he is like literally unplayable. He's like ridiculous." And then yeah. the three the three games later, I'd be like. Oh, he's what's going on here? Like he'd be bang average, and you think where's the player gone that I seen a couple of weeks ago? It was so unpredictable, mate. You know yeah. what I mean? It was it, it, it was one one game like say you watch him and you think he's starting next, he's starting for the first team next week. He's definitely yeah. in that first team next week. And then no in between was there. There was like no in between with him. It not, was either not. unbelievable or you know bang average it it, it, it was good at sulking mads he had a, he had a, a tendency to sulk a lot um obviously i lived with him for again me mads borjan um ben Jorved, another great player ben, Jorved, yeah. ben Jorved on the right fantastic <clears throat> but yeah mads had the tendency i think to let his head go down a little and i think that affect, i think his attitudes affected him a lot i don't think it was vulnerability i think it was um you know his attitude um and then the other strap. Well, I'll just mention. I'll just touch on David Poole because he's not on my list. But there was a guy called David Poole Keen. I don't know if you heard of David Poole or not. Um, he was another guy who I grew up with, probably for eight nine years at uh, at United, uh, consistently scoring great goals. Uh, very very quick, very strong, very. And again, another local lad. Um, lived over in Dubai now. Doesn't play football. I think he might play semi pro over there. But forged a great career out of uh, I think his personal training over in Dubai. But great, great player. But the guy I've got on my list is our very own Phil Marsh. Say a little bit about Marshy now. <laughs> um, Phil, I always remember a lad from St. Helens, and I didn't know who he was. Um, and I got told there was a striker coming up a couple of years younger than us um, from St. Helens. And obviously, me being from Wigan and St. Helens next to each other. Always had a bit of a fascination because I was I was the only local lad. Well, when I say local lad, I was the only lad really. What the locals didn't class me as a local lad. Yeah, we but, was more like sort of a local, but not quite. Yeah, yeah. So you were kind of between because on a Friday we used to have local guides for South Tonys, and we always was on the local team. Well, I was Phil. Yeah, I was then, as well. Yeah. yeah, it was. He was always kind of in between because. Obviously, Wigan used to be in St. Helens, obviously, Merseyside. Wigan yeah. used to be classed as uh, Lancashire. Now, yeah. Wigan's classed as Greater Manchester. But was all, I was always on the first row with it. And obviously, when you come up, I was like, thank God for that. There's someone in my position. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, yeah. I, think I, I think I remember you making your debut. Like I say, I remember you coming in as a young lad making your debut. And I think, did you, I think you trained with us the week before in the reserves, didn't you? Yeah, me. I remember my debut. I we played Notts Forest away, and I actually played on the right hand side. Um, I remember because I watched the game uh, not so long ago. Just found the video and I watched. The well, I, actually, I, I, I actually played against Chris Commons, who's obviously gone on to have a, you know, a fantastic career at Celtic. I actually yeah, played yeah, against yeah. him on the left. I was on the right. 
But uh, I, I remember you training the week before. I remember you coming in, and it's the first time I watched you play. And I actually, you was you were on my team, and I thought obviously the young lads we used to try rough you up a little bit, but you were strong for your age, and that's the first thing I remember. You, you could really hold the ball up, and you were so hard to get the ball off. And I, I remember a few of us thinking at that time, "Good God, this this is a player. You know, this this is a lad who could do something." Because like I say, you must have. That was I was probably nineteen, eighteen at the time. So I bet you was yeah. probably only 16, 17. You yeah, know I mean? probably just turned 17, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. You know, you were playing up in the reserves, mate. And, uh, you, you know, you you, 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 you was fantastic. You was, you was a great player, mate. And like I say, if it was going on, you know, the, the players we... This team is the, the, the team I'm giving now is the team where I would think it's an ability team. The team, not the team what you know, had the most successful career, but the team what could have and put more than likely should have. Um, you know, I'd, I'd the career of the you know the, the first team I mentioned, you would definitely be in there, mate. Hundred percent. I'll pay you later. <laughs> no, in our playbook chat, there, no, Phil's had to slip and leave a fifty for for what the main team. There. Yeah, definitely. I'll buy you a hey. pint of that, uh, dude. Ted, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I've been absolutely, I've been sitting back just relaxing, listening. To both your teams and it's just been absolutely fantastic and just to get like both your insights on players you've played with and um, obviously who've gone to be so largely successful in world football like like so johnny evans darren fletcher Gerard pk players like that and then you see obviously your, your hidden gems that you, you had in there as well it's great to get your insight and one thing i always love is listening to the like stories about manchester united U academy because as i always say like you look at all the talent that comes out of Carrington, how it gets nurtured at the cliff. There's so many great stories, and I feel absolutely privileged to sit here with Dovey and listen to these stories and listen to the, the players you played with. It's absolutely great platform to be here and, and listen to that. So, look, absolutely enjoy tonight's podcast and great to get both, get both your teams. And look, what we will do for our viewers as well, Wayne will get, get, get them teams up. We'll have them up on. Um, or talk the devils and um, Twitter page and also um on the website as well and um, also guys thanks very much to everyone and um, for tuning in tonight it's been an absolutely fantastic show um and look it's been you know great conversation about current and past um Manchester United so don't forget guys hit that like button hit that subscribe button below and fill as well hit the bell notification we will be back next week with the big one Manchester Derby you next week and i am going to get manchester derby stories off the lads as well um from their days in the academy as well so do tune in um for that as well but as always guys thanks very much for tuning in to talking devils this week and we'll be back next friday with another edition of talking devils with phil marsh and lee lawrence until then guys thanks very much Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.